We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. Today, transitioning from unforgiveness into a place of forgiveness. Transitioning from holding a grudge and being bitter and resentful to living in the freedom. Really, I could have titled this message from forgiveness to being forgiving. To being forgiven. Because the reality is this, as we're going to discover, if we don't forgive, we cannot be forgiven. And we're going to see that from God's Word. And, and I just really feel led just to pray for every one of you because this is a massive subject today. And you need to grab a hold of this. So I want to pray for you right now. And I want you to pray for yourself right now. Come on, just put your hand on your heart right now. And we're just going to pray together that God would just open up our hearts. In fact, say this with me. Set my heart free today. Come on, say that one more time. Set my heart free today. Dear Heavenly Father, we just pray, God, right now that you would set our hearts free from any unforgiveness, for any resentment, for those things that we so quickly and easily hold on to in our lives. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray, set us free today. We need your freedom and liberty, and freedom comes only through you and your word. And we apply your word to our hearts, to our minds, to our lives. And God, we declare that this is a new day. This is our moment. This is our new day. And God, we step into it in Jesus' name. And if you receive that and if you believe that, come on, shout amen in the house. Amen. 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 Here's our theme scripture. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. Incidentally, we have some cards made for you on the desk on your way out. Grab them. Put them on the dash of your car. Put them on the mirror as you're getting ready in the morning. Because you need to be reminded of this scripture. Dear Corinthians, it's a love letter almost to you. Dear Cara, come on right now. Dear Dolores, come on. Dear Mike, it's to you. God is speaking. I cannot tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. Love that. Come on. We did not fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from where? Within you. It's from you. It's not from God. It's from you. It's not from your parents. It's not from where you were brought up. It's not from the job that you wished you had. It's not from all of those things. The smallness is because of you. Come on. Your lives aren't small. Come on. You need to hear this today. I think someone should say amen right there. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. Paul says, I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with the greatest affection that I can. And he says, would you open up your lives? Would you live openly 
and expansively. Wow, I love that. I love that for my life. I love that for your life. I love the Word of God, period. You know why I love a scripture like that? Because it's both challenge and challenging and motivating. It's challenging me to say, God, what's going on in my life? I'm not open and spacious and I'm living small in areas of my life. But yet it's also motivating saying what? Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can step up and be what God wants you to be. Come on, high five someone around you. Say, come on, you can do it. You can do it. It's fully possible. And that's a picture of how our lives should look. It's obtainable for us. Have you ever seen those infomercials on TV for those fitness machines? Have you ever seen those fitness machines and people hardly wearing any clothes, doing all the workouts? And they're saying, if you get a machine like this five minutes a day, you can look like that. How many knows those people look like that before they found that machine? Amen. Come on, they're telling you a lie. You maybe can look a little bit better, but you ain't going to look like that from five minutes a day. But I'm telling you right now, you can look like this by giving God your life. You can be open and you can be expansive and you don't have to live small because that's a promise of God. That's not a promise of man. Man's promises, he can't back them up. But God can back up every promise. He's got your back. Come on, he's got your back. He can take care. Man, I feel like preaching in the house today. So today we're looking at transitioning from having a state of unforgiveness, being unforgiving in our lives to a place of forgiveness. And you know the secret to any relationship is forgiveness. It's the secret for any relationship. And I'm sure that we've all probably got some forgiving that we need to do. And it's also important to understand when it comes to a subject like this that the ones who we love the most are the ones who have the ability to hurt us the most. Remember who it was who betrayed Jesus? It was the one who could slip through the crowd unnoticed, that could come right before him and kiss him on the cheek. It was the one that was closest, that was able to get to him, was the one that was able to betray him. So many times that's the case in our lives. The issues we're dealing with, with unforgiveness, are many times the ones that we love. Maybe even sitting beside us right now, the spouse, our children, our family members, those around us. But you know, God knows that. God knows that. And that is why God commands us that we are to forgive. He doesn't suggest, He doesn't say it's an option. He says it's a commandment for us to forgive each other. For us to practice Forgiveness is to experience freedom. Freedom in each one of our lives. Because if not, we're going to live with the chains of anxiety. And we're going to allow the roots of bitterness to go down. And that's things that are going to bind us and rob us and destroy us when we're unable to forgive. Look at the scripture, John 8 verse 36. It says these words, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be Free indeed. Notice, if you would, the word in there that can change a lot of things. Therefore, if. Come on, say with me, if. If, if. Notice where it's placed. Therefore, if the Son makes you free. Therefore, suggesting that we're not automatically free. 
We have to let God be the freedom of our lives. Everyone with me on that? If the Son sets us free, if we allow God to free us, so the Son sets us free, that means He does it, not us. You will be free indeed, or as I like to say, indeedly free, meaning what? Total and complete freedom in your life. God has set you free. I said, God has set you free. God has made your life able to be open and spacious, not limited and small. God has made it possible for you to be free. Otherwise, each one of us would become ensnared in our sins and they would infect us with bitterness and wounds that we would then inflict to other people. He sets us free so we can live and fully experience the authentic, wide open, not small life which he has created for us. Now why would you begin the message like that? Because I want you to see today that forgiveness is fully possible for your life. That God has made you free. And as a result of that freedom, you are free indeed. But the reason why we're not indeedly free is not because of God, it's because we're holding on to things that are destroying our lives. Come on, we are free in God, but we're many times not free in our hearts and our minds because we are holding on to unforgiveness that God does not want us to have. No matter who it is, no matter what it is, I'm telling you, God says you can be free and you are free if you would just step into that and live in that. It grieves the heart of God to see His children, that's you and me, in chains, trapped without room for His Spirit to be able to work inside of each one of our lives. I like what Joyce Myers says. Look what Joyce Myers says. She said, I have found that no other ingredient damages the heart more than the issue of unforgiveness. And that's so true, isn't it? And a damaged heart is a damaged source. What do I mean by that? When your heart's not right, anything else is not going to be right. Your heart is the source of your life. Let me show you some scriptures to back that up. Proverbs 23 verse 7, it says, For as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So what does a damaged heart do? It messes up your thinking. It messes up your ability to think right. Because if your heart's not right, your mind's not going to be right. Come on, look at Proverbs 4 verse 23. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it, what? Out of my heart springs the issues of life. One translation says my heart sets the course or the boundaries for my life. So if my heart's not right, my life is not going to be right. So it affects my life. Come on, are you with me? Matthew 12 verse 34 says for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If my heart's not right, my words are not right. I'm speaking the wrong things. 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, when God was looking to choose a new king, man thought, wow, look at that. But God says, I don't see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance. But God says, I look at the heart. What does the heart do in this situation? It disqualifies me from service. And from being used by God. Don't tell me that my heart's not important. Come on now. And it's an ingredient, the unforgiveness. That which wants to pollute, wants to destroy the very source of my life, my heart. Come on, my heart must be right. And here's what I've discovered when it comes to forgiveness. Most of us don't know what that looks like. And I want to start today and really... 
the majority of our message today, 90% of our message today, is we're going to look at what forgiveness is not. What forgiveness is not. And I pray this is really going to help you today. We've got some cards that we're going to hand out, slightly different to the notes. It was a different message I preached a while back. But we've got some cards that we're going to hand out to every one of you. And I think it's seven things forgiveness is and seven things forgiveness is not. You need to grab that and take that home and study that along with what we're going to teach you today. Are you ready? Number one, what forgiveness is not. Number one, true forgiveness is not something you have to wait for someone to ask for. If we've wronged someone, whether they are pressing us or not, we still need to ask for forgiveness. A lot of the time we can look and say, well, I guess I got away with that one. The reality is this, you will never get away with it. Just saying, you're going to discover that later. We're never going to get away from it. If we have done something wrong... It doesn't wait for someone else to point the finger and say, you did something wrong. It needs to be a realization inside of us that we know and we need to make it right. Do I hear an amen? In fact, let me say it this way. This is what I believe about forgiveness. Forgiveness is your responsibility. Forgiveness is one-sided. Well, I'll forgive when they forgive. No, that's not what the Word of God says. Forgiveness is one-sided. It's on your side of the fence and it's up to you to do. Well, what about them? Hey, God's going to deal with them too, but it's about really you and God. Come on now, that's what you've got to understand. It hasn't anything to really do with them. It has to do with you and God. It has to do with you and God. So it's my side. And this is where a lot of people struggle because someone hasn't said or whatever and they turn around and say, well, I can't, they're not going to forgive me, so I'm not going to forgive them. It's your responsibility. It's your requirement to forgive them. It's your side. It's on you. The ball's in your court. You're not waiting for them to serve it back. The ball is in your court. You better serve it back and you better do something really quick. Number two, forgiveness is not a conditional contract. It's not a conditional contract. Talked just a little bit about it a few seconds ago. Real forgiveness is unconditional. It's never if you do, then I will, because real forgiveness has nothing attached to it. You see, when you look at a contract, here's how a contract plays out. Are you ready? I will forgive you if you promise never to do that again. Come on. I will do what I need to do if you will first do what you need to do. Come on, someone's read my notes. Someone's with me on that. I like it. Listen, that's not forgiveness, that's a contract. That's a negotiation. That's a trade, not forgiveness. Look at Luke 23, verse 34. This is Jesus. He's dying on the cross. He's given his life for the ransom for everyone. Look what Jesus says, his last breath. He cries out, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He is modeling true forgiveness to us. Notice he didn't say, Father, forgive them if, or Father, forgive them when, but he said, Father, unconditionally, would you forgive any one of them who cries out for mercy and your forgiveness? Don't you love that about Jesus? Don't you love that? Why did he forgive? Why was it important that day that he forgave? 
Why? Because He showed us that we can too. That's why. It's important because we can too. But pastor, why is that important? Because God knows what will happen to the soul of a man or a woman when they live with bitterness and resentment in their heart. Because unforgiveness starts, but it grows roots and shoots. And it grows into bitterness. You become cynical. You become angry. Come on. It becomes a whole lot more than what it first started. It started with a seed, but now it's reaping a harvest that's out of control. Number three. Real forgiveness is not retaliation. It's not retaliation. In Genesis chapter 37 through 50, if you would read those when you get home, Megan told the story a few weeks ago in our epic Bible stories, the story of Joseph. But the story of Joseph is an incredible story. He was a man that God chose and gave him a dream. He shared his dreams. As a result, his family hated him. His brothers wanted to kill him and destroy him. They sold him as a slave. He became a slave and then he was promoted. But then rape was screamed out as as his master's wife tried to succumb him and tried to trick him. And when he took the high road and wouldn't give in to that, she screamed rape. He was thrown back into prison again. He was lost. He was forgotten. But everywhere he was, we see hardship after hardship hardship. We see a young man that had every right. Come on, let's just be real. He had every right to be the most bitter person on the face of this earth. But he purposed in his heart that he would never retaliate against those who would hurt him. You read the story for yourself and you're going to discover that. But instead, here's what he did. Are you ready? He gave it to God. He placed it in God's hands, removing it from his grasp. You know why God is not dealing with that person in the way that you think they should? Because you are still holding the power of what that circumstance in your hands. God cannot deal with it till you release it. What is releasing it? Forgiving that person without even wanting any kind of retaliation. God, I give it to you. You take care of it. You handle it. You do it. Come on, real forgiveness is not retaliation. Number four, here's a big one. Are you ready? True forgiveness never minimizes the seriousness of the offense. It never minimizes what was done to your life. It never makes what was done to you or by you right. Because if we don't watch, forgiveness can kind of have a tendency for us to begin to think that it's okay. What do I mean by that? Because we're required to forgive, I can say, okay, I forgave them, so I guess what they did did not hurt me too bad. No, it hurt you really bad. And what they did was really bad. And what they did was really wrong. Notice you can forgive, but it doesn't minimize what they have done to you. In the same regards, you can say, well, I guess that wasn't such a big deal. I guess they really didn't mean it. Maybe they didn't mean it. Maybe they did. But listen to me, none of that diminishes what happened. And back to Joseph. When he saw his brothers, it's amazing to me that God sets up everything through his life that when he stands with power, and authority, and his brothers come, he stood in a place of authority that he could have just pointed a finger and say, kill them. 
and there would have been no questions asked, they would have been killed and destroyed. His authority was so great, second only to Pharaoh, that his position of authority was so great that he could have just spoken and they could have been destroyed for what they did. I think God set that up for that reason. Why? Because in a position of authority, in able to being able to do that, he realized that wasn't what God had in his heart to do. It didn't minimize what was done to him, but he wasn't going to retaliate. He wasn't going to fight back because he had already given it to God and placed it in the hands of God. Look what it says, Genesis 50 verse 20. But as for you, you meant it for evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring about at this day to save many people alive. Notice Joseph didn't brush it off. Joseph didn't ignore what had taken place and what they had done to him. He didn't pretend he wasn't devastated by the betrayal of his brothers, let alone the other sequences of his life that fell into place after that initial thing. In fact, the first time... Joseph sees his brothers, the Bible records that he had to flee from their presence and leave them. And he went into his chamber and he began to weep and he began to cry uncontrollably. The Bible says that his servants heard him sobbing and crying and weeping uncontrollably. I don't think the Bible doesn't tell us, so let me be just a little bit creative here. Take it or leave it. It's not the gospel. This is just my opinion. But I feel that his tears that day were not just because he was so happy to see his brothers. I believe his tears that day brought back to remembrance the fact they threw him into a pit. The fact that he had to go through this. And the fact that he had to struggle through this. And he was promoted and then knocked down. It brought back all those fears. It brought back all that anger. It brought back all those things that he had been subjected to because of their decision. Because I'm telling you right now, those things are always going to be there to rear their ugly heads. Come on, those thoughts are always going to come back and surface those feelings. We just can't let them take root any longer. Come on, we're human. We're going to discover in a few moments. I'm not going to give it away, but those things are going to come back. There may never be a day where you may be free from those things. They may keep coming back, but let me tell you something. You are free because you've released those things and you're now living in the freedom of God. But despite it all, all the emotions, all the thought, all the inner turmoil that Joseph is going through, I believe he quieted himself and he reminded himself that he had forgiven them. And that he was not allowing bitterness. And he had not allowed bitterness to take root. And he was released from that bondage. Come on, because he had released them, he was living in freedom. And I believe that's why God promoted him where he was because he could not have been promoted if he was bound within his heart. Number five, forgiveness is not always life as normal. Well, if I forgive them, does that automatically place us right back where we were before? Does life go back to where it was before? Do I now place my life? Does it place me in a position where I'm going to be hurt again? This is a massive one why many people don't want to forgive because they're afraid it means life as normal. I like to use an illustration here and that is this. What about if my one day I go into my neighbor's yard and my neighbor has a big mean dog and that dog bites me? 
I don't have to go back into that yard to forgive that dog. I can forgive that dog from my side of the fence. Come on, anyone with me on that? I can walk past that dog and I can smile and wave and, and I'm happy and I'm good. We're, we're good. We're good. I, I don't have anything against you. But I'm not coming back in that yard anymore. Why? Because now I've got forgiveness and wisdom. You pit me once, huh? Shame on you. You bite me twice, shame on me. Uh, uh, Thank you. You're looking good. You're looking good from that side of the fence. I'm feeling secure. Why? Because I have distanced myself from that which has inflicted me harm. People say that's not forgiveness. Oh yes, it is. That's forgiveness now with common sense and wisdom. Because you don't tempt fate by trying to jump back in because until God does a work in their heart, you don't know what's going on there, but you know what's going on in your heart and you can love them and smile and wave from your side of the fence, not subjecting yourself to that pain again. Come on, say with me, love from a distance. Because you see, when you love from a distance, you're placing them in God's hands. You've got to understand things like this. And let me say it this way too. Let me kind of, because I think this is really big. Forgiveness is not automatically trusting them again. Well, I forgive them, so now I've got to trust it. No, no. Forgiveness and trust are two very separate things. I said forgiveness and trust are two very separate things. Let me try to explain that to you. If you have been abused, and God forbid, but unfortunately, so many people have been abused and wronged in a great way. If that's you or you're in that right now, you need to run for your life. You need to get out of that situation. You need to run. You need to run for cover. You need to get your life out of that. Maybe in the future, there'll be an opportunity for you to trust again because that trust can be restored because anything is possible with God. God can do anything. You with me? God can do anything. But really, when we're talking about trust, that's a whole different message in itself because today we're talking about forgiveness. But I will say this, forgiveness has to be your first point of call before trust can be reestablished. You can't have trust if there's not forgiveness. So we are giving you the foundation that trust can be built upon and that is this, you've got to forgive them. So you've got to forgive them and you can forgive that person And maybe trust them later. But forgiveness applies or is required for your life. Look at this. Trust has to be built and earned. Do you see that? Trust has to be rebuilt. It has to be earned. Where forgiveness is built on grace. Grace is not what you deserve, but what he gives. Grace is nothing about us, but it's all about God. Come on. So forgiveness is built on grace and is unconditional. Trust has to be rebuilt and earned. Come on, that takes time. Come on, say with me time. But forgiveness can be immediate. Forgiveness can be and is immediate. You don't forgive them because they deserve it. You do it because what God has done for you. Colossians 3 verse 13, you bear with one another and you forgive one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave who? Me, you. 
us. What does he say? You also, help me out, you also must do. Come on, say that with me. You also must do. Doesn't mean life is normal. Things must change first. But trust perhaps can be established, but forgiveness can be right there. Freedom can be right there for your life. And then you give God the ability to begin to work on their life because you're releasing them to God. Come on, do that. Releasing them to God. Come on. You're just releasing that to God. Just giving it to God. Number six, are you still with me today? Forgiveness does not mean they get away with it. Well, I don't want to forgive them because if I forgive them, they were the one that was wrong. So if I forgive them, they're just going to get away from it. They're never going to learn from it. And nothing's going to ever change. Nothing's going to ever... Come on, we say that so many times. We try to justify our actions. But remember, forgiveness is our responsibility. It's one-sided. It's not really about them in the whole process of things. It's between us and God. Making it right between us and God. So if I forgive them, then they're getting away with what they've done. I want to tell you right now, they will never get away from what they have done. You will never escape those things, trust me, because eternity is a long time. And God is a righteous judge and we are going to be judged according to our lives. But come on, God doesn't place you in a position of judgment. He's the judge. Come on, he's the judge. Oh, we want to be the judge, the jury. We want to be the whole thing. We want to take care of it all. Come on, we've got to give it to God. They're not going to get away with it. They will get away with it if you're holding on to it. But as you give it to God, God can begin to deal with their hearts and deal with their lives. But whatever he chooses to do, don't worry about that. Begin to rejoice in what he's done inside of you because there's a freedom and a release. Because who in the sun sets free? Come on, is free indeed. Look at this statement. One of the greatest statements I think I've ever read. And that is this. Forgiveness doesn't make them right, but it sets you free. Wow. You need to be tweeting that. You need to be Instagramming that. You need to be posting that. Forgiveness does not make them right ever. But it sets you free every time. Every time. Every time. And may I remind you, God's word says, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. God's going to handle his business. You're his son and you're his daughter. Come on, he's on your case. When you release those things, God says, Got it. We'll take care of it. Handle it. But he's more worried and concerned about your life at first. Because it has to be right with you. Number seven. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Well, if you forgive someone, you know the motto, you've got to forgive and... It's impossible. Come on, I said it's impossible. And in fact, the Bible never tells us that we're to forgive and to forget. That's not in the Word of God. The Bible tells us we're to forgive, but it doesn't say that we don't have any memory of that. Because if that was the case, God would make us to be able to block out. They would say that we never forget anything that's gone into our minds. We may not be able to recall all things, but everything we see here is stored somewhere in our brains. That's how wonderful our brain, the creation of God is. We may not be able to recall all those things. I wished we could. 
But they're all there inside. So I don't believe we possess the ability or have the capacity for forgiving and forgetting. In fact, the more we try to forget, the more we remember. Everyone close your eyes right now. Let me do this example. You ready? We're going to take you into your imagination right now. It's Barney time. Come on. I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. Come on. I want you to picture in your mind right now a red hammer. Can you see a red hammer right now? Come on. Can you see that red hammer? However it looks in your mind, it's there. It's a red hammer. It's right there. Now, keep your eyes closed. I don't want you to think about a red hammer anymore. Don't think about that red hammer. Don't, don't think about that red hammer. What happens? Open your eyes. What happens? The more you try not to think about it, the more the image you see inside of your mind. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. When we think we have to forget those things, we so many times end up living more in those things. Look at this. Through forgiveness, you release the memory from having a grip on you. You don't forget it, but now no longer does it control you. When Joseph saw his brothers, it brought it back. But hold on, he was able to calm himself because it wasn't a grip on his life. It didn't have his control over his life. He had forgiven, so it was no longer a power in his life. He said these words, remember? He said, you intended it to harm me. That's what Joseph said. But he remembered the fact. And also the truth. The fact was they tried to harm him. The truth was this. He had forgiven them and now he was able to bless them. And if you don't like Joseph, then how about Jesus? Look what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 44. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Never does he say that you will forget what they've done. But he says you need to pray for those who have wronged you. You know when you have forgiveness in your life? You have forgiveness in your life when you're no longer looking for revenge. And you can be in the same room as that person and not think harmful, hurtful thoughts against them. It's what God wants to do. Oh, you still remember what they've done. It wants to come flashing back because the enemy wants to parade that. Why? Because he wants to ensnare you again. We're going to see that in a minute. He wants you to be bound again. But you've got to release that and say, no, hey, I've given that to God and I'm free in God. I'm free in God. That's why I tell people a lot, if someone's really wronged you in your life, write down in the front of your Bible or somewhere, on this day, at this time, I forgave that person and gave it to God. So when the enemy comes back, you can go back there and say, no devil, you're a liar and you're a thief. Because on this day, on this time, I released them and I gave it to God. Devil don't want to leave you alone. Do you realize that? The devil don't want to leave you alone. He don't want you to forget. He's the one that keeps bringing those memories back. Why? Because he wants to put you back into bondage. Bondage. Because that's what unforgiveness will do. Come on, are you getting this today? I know I'm spending a lot of time on what it's not, but I really think this is important. Here's perhaps one of the biggest things that forgiveness is not. Are you ready? Number eight, forgiveness is not what you deserve. But he gives it to you anyway. Come on, aren't you glad of that? 
Come on, you've got to understand this. You don't deserve forgiveness. None of us deserve forgiveness. Come on, we're, we're all thieves. We're all liars. We're all tough people. We're, we've got evilness in our hearts and in our minds. Come on, we don't deserve the forgiveness of God, but he gives it to us anyway. But here's the struggle. Here's where we're at. Are you ready? Because we know we don't deserve his forgiveness, many times it causes us to struggle in accepting his forgiveness. The enemy will come. Here he is again. You don't deserve that. He hasn't forgiven you. The enemy will parade himself. And because of that, we begin to struggle in truly receiving his forgiveness. Many of us today are partly free. But where did we start? Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. There's absolute freedom in God. But the enemy doesn't want us to buy into that. He doesn't want us to live in that because it's such a great price that was paid that we struggle many times to fully grasp that And we don't feel forgiven. Have you ever felt unforgiven? Have you ever felt not forgiven? I don't feel forgiven today. And because we don't feel forgiven, we then struggle to be forgiven. We then struggle to forgive other people around us. You cannot give what you haven't got. And really, that's not the right way to say it. Because it's there, it's available. Let me say it this way. We must first receive it from God so we can give it. You've got to receive the fact that God has forgiven you. I want to read a great parable from the Word of God. And it comes from Matthew chapter 18, verse 23 through 35. Come on, read it with me. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold and with his wife and children and all that he had and that a payment would be made. The servant therefore fell down before his master saying, Master, have patience with me. I will repay. I'll take care of my debt. I'll replace it all. Then the master said of that servant, or the master of that servant was so moved with compassion that he released him and forgave him of that debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he went and laid hands on him and took him by the throat, choking him, saying, Pay me what you owe me. So those watching, other fellow servants, or so that man fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. And he would not have patience. But he went and threw him to prison till he could pay the debt. So when those around, other servants around, saw what had been done, they were very grieved and they came and told their master all that had been done. Next slide, please. And then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should not also you have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to be in the torturers until he could pay all that was due him. Verse 35, so my heavenly father also will do to you. If each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother from his trespasses. Jesus told this parable because Peter comes to Jesus. You've got to love Peter. He's the one that speaks what everyone else is thinking. 
Peter comes up to Jesus and he asks him this question, verse 21 and verse 22. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often if my brother sins against me, shall I forgive him? Shall I do it up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. You've got to understand under Jewish law, it required that they were to forgive people three times. Three strikes and bam, you're out. That was the Jewish law. So Peter thought, well, I'm going to double that and I'm going to add one for bonus. And then he thought, seven's a good number. It means God, it's complete. I'm just going to be really holy. I'm going to... So he said, God, should I forgive my brother seven times? But Jesus says, no, it's not seven times. Jesus said it's 70 times seven. Now, Jesus wasn't talking about 490 times and then on the 491st time that it was to be over. But what Jesus was showing him this, you've got to forgive not just completely, but continually. It's not just completely, but it's got to be continually. Every day for the rest of your life, Jesus says, you've got to be prepared to forgive those who have wronged you. You've got to choose every moment never to live with unforgiveness around you. Well, it's their fault. No, it's not. It's your fault. The ball's in your court. It's your side. It's your responsibility. Jesus was showing him that you and I always need to be the person who forgives. And that's why he told the parable, because Peter wasn't really getting it like we don't really get it. So Jesus tells about a man who owed his master 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents. Listen to this. One talent back then under some people's working out, figuring out. One talent back then was equal to 15 years of the average person's wage. He owed 10,000 talents. That meant if he worked for 150,000 years, that's how long it would take for him to pay off that debt. They believe that if you were to figure it and compute it into our monetary terms today, it's not millions, but billions with a B that he owed his master. Billions of dollars. And you've got to remember, are you ready? This parable is not really about him, but this parable is really about you and I and the debt that we owe. How there is no way that we could ever repay the debt of sin that Jesus Christ has forgiven and taken and removed each one of us from. Yet by His grace, His unmerited favor, that which we don't deserve, He did it completely upon the cross. When He said, Father, forgive them. That was you, that was me. Oh, we weren't the ones that put him on that cross that day. Yes, we were. It was our sin that nailed him to the cross. The sins that we commit even today was that, come on, nails didn't hold Jesus to a cross. It was, it was the sins that we gave, but it was his love also and his grace and his mercy. So here's what you've got to understand. This parable is a story of your life. It's the story of my life. And back in those days, there were no bailouts. There was no bankruptcies. 
If you owed a debt, it was required that you paid it all in full. And if you couldn't, they would throw you in prison till you could. And here's the problem. You were in prison. You couldn't pay the debt, so it was over. When you hit the prison, it was over. There was no more hope for your life. It was hopeless. But then what they would also do is they would take your wife and family, if you had such, and your possessions, and they would sell them and put them into slavery to help pay off at least a portion of the debt. Can I remind you that your sin and your unforgiveness doesn't only affect your life, it's going to affect your family and the other people around you. That servant had two choices that day. First choice was what? To fall on his knees and beg for forgiveness. Second choice he had was to take it and just be enslaved and imprisoned for the rest of his life. And may I remind you of that freedom that God has made available for each one of you. Galatians 5 verse 1 says these words, Stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made you free and do not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. I like how the New International Version says, For it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Come on, stand firm then and do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Come on, you can be free in God. You can be free in God. And we see this because what did the master say? The master said, I'm going to have grace. I'm going to have mercy. I'm going to forgive you of everything. Come on, that's the freedom that Christ wants us. There's a freedom in him. But what's the challenge? Watch again. Lest what? You burden yourself. There's always going to be opportunities for us to take back our forgiveness. There's always going to be opportunities because those thoughts are going to come because we don't forget those things. But God says we've got to stand what? Fast in the liberty. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. He's forgiven everything. You and I are forgiven everything and probably a lot like him, we don't fully grasp and we don't fully realize how much we've been forgiven from. He steps away that day from billions that he owes. And there's probably not a price tag that could be put upon the debt that we owed from each one of our lives. And then what does he do? He soon forgets. He soon forgets because he finds someone who owes him a denarii. Come on, he just owes him something so small. You know what? In our dollars today, it's about under $20 this man owes him. And he grabs him by the throat and he chokes him and says, pay me back what you owe me. Pay me back what you owe me. Look what it says, Matthew 18, 28. It says, pay me back what you owe me, verse 29. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, doesn't this sound familiar? But notice the response. Have patience with me and I will pay you all under 20 bucks. I'll pay it all. But he would not. But he went to throw him in prison till he could pay the debt. I'm reading stuff like this going, what's wrong with him? Come on, I'm looking at this and saying, what's wrong? Does he not remember everything he was forgiven from? Does he not remember what just happened in his life? 
But remember, Jesus is not telling a story about them. He's telling a story about me and you. He's telling our story today. And I don't care how good you think you are, the debt of sin was greater than you could ever pay. I don't care how bad you ever were. The debt of sin was greater than you could pay. But it wasn't greater than the payment of a body that was sacrificed and given for each one of us. That hung upon a cross. That he cried out, it is finished. The debt is paid in full. So the conclusion of the story is he's now brought back to his master. And the master says, you wicked servants. And he condemned him for what? His lack of forgiveness. I did this for you and you couldn't do that for them. Because you didn't extend the same grace to others. He was then banished, not only to prison, but to be tortured for the rest of his life. How can you and I receive such grace and forgiveness? But choose not to forgive someone else. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, New Living Translation says this. You were dead because of your sins. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. For He forgave all. Every part of our sins. And He cancelled the record of the charges against it. And He took it away by nailing it to the cross. For each one of us. Come on, can someone just say thank you Jesus right now? Can you say thank you, Jesus? Thank you doesn't even come close enough, does it, when we know who we were and what he forgave us. He didn't say clean up your life then. It wasn't conditional. It was unconditional. He says, I love you. And I have forgiven you if you will just ask. It's nothing I deserve. But yet he still willingly and lovingly does it. So why is it important for me to forgive? Here's the last 5% of the message. Here's why it's important for me to forgive, because God tells me I must. Again, Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. Come on, that should be enough right there, because Jesus tells us to do it. And I want to tell you something. Jesus never tells you to do something that his grace will not be sufficient to help you through it. You're sitting here today saying, I cannot forgive them for what they've done to me. I'm telling you right now, you must forgive them and you can forgive them. And if you don't, you're going to be living in a small, meaningless life. God has an open, spacious life for you to transition into. And we're going to see some people set free in this place today. Number two, are you ready? You'll never move beyond your under forgiveness. 
You'll never move beyond it. You'll be like a ball and chain. You'll have certain liberties, but you'll only get so far. You'll never see forgiveness that wants to produce growth in your life. Because that's exactly what will happen when you decide to do it. If you don't, you're going to be stuck in the past. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It's not going to happen. You're never going to move beyond that. It will torture you, not the other person. Oh, I'm showing them. Oh, yeah, you're showing them. You're the one that's not sleeping at night, and they're sleeping every night because they don't even realize what they've done to you. You're destroying your life. You'll never move beyond it. You'll wake up thinking about it. You'll go to bed thinking about it. But it's not just thoughts. It's controlling your life because you want retaliation. You want them to suffer. You want them to be condemned. You want to be God. And God ain't taking no vacancies. Come on, there's no vacancies in heaven. He's not taking resumes. He's not thinking of of relocating someone else. He's happy being God and he can handle being God all by himself. Number three, you ready? If you don't forgive, you will never be forgiven. I don't believe you. Well, hey, read the scripture, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. If you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Well, really, Pastor, what he means in the Greek and Hebrew is, no, he means exactly what he says. In order to be forgiven, you've got to forgive. There's only one way to be forgiven, and that's to forgive, to let go of those things, no matter how hard it may be. Again, remember, we're not minimizing what's been done, but we're also releasing that thing so it's not going to have a hold on your life anymore, so you can live in freedom. Number four, nearly done. When you forgive them, guess what happens? You take the debt off of you. Come on, you take what they've placed upon you. Come on, you take that hold. You take that control off of you. Because when you forgive them, really you're saying, you don't owe me anything anymore. And I'll never try to collect from you anymore. Why? Because I'm giving you to God. And He's the one who's my source. He's the one who's my life. He's the one who's provided. He's the one who's my grace. He's the one who's my forgiveness. But as long as we hold on, they are controlling our life. They hold the note over our life. And how do I do that, Pastor Philip? How do I do that? I'll tell you how. First, remember what you have been forgiven from. And when you receive that and grasp that, you're going to be able to give it to other people. And last but not least, are you ready? If you won't forgive people, God's peace can never reign in your life. You will never be at peace. Go back again to Colossians 3, 13 through 15 this time. It says this, Bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must also do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So you forgive and then you experience love. And then what happens? And the peace of God will rule in your hearts. Come on, and the peace of God will begin to rule in in your hearts. It's got to be in that order. You can't have peace without forgiveness and then love and then peace comes. But when we forgive, just like with our lives, when we give our lives to Christ and he forgives us, we then realize his love. Then we can live in the peace that he has. Come on today, it's time to transition. I said it's time to transition your life 
from a place of unforgiveness to a place of forgiveness in God. Would you stand to your feet and bow your heads with me today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.